talk to you about a truth that Jesus never fails. I fail, you fail, but he doesn't. John Maxwell, in his book, Your Attitude, Key to Success, he notes that the most successful people often start out as failures. Italian tenor Enrico Caruso was told by his music teacher, his voice sounded like the wind whistling through a window. That really made Caruso feel pretty good. Henry Ford, listen to this. Henry Ford forgot to put a reverse gear in his first automobile. How far do you get with that? Well, you don't get anywhere backward, that's for sure. In 1902, Atlantic Monthly, which is the oldest magazine in America, uh, returned a number of poems to a 20-year-old poet with this nasty note. They sent them right back to him. Quote, our magazine has no room for your vigorous verse. The poet's name was Robert Frost. In 1905, the University of Bern turned down a PhD dissertation as being irrelevant and fanciful. The author of that dissertation was Albert Einstein. The rhetoric teacher at Harrow School in England wrote this on 16-year-old Winston Churchill's report card. Quote, a conspicuous lack of success. And finally, Thomas Edison once spent over $2 million on an invention that proved to be a flop. I don't know what $2 million then compares to $2 million. What is it, like $20 million today? Some number like that? He blew it. These people may have experienced moments of despair and disappointment, but they never gave up and they never gave in to those feelings. God told Moses when Moses was tagged with the biggest job you could have at that time, taking millions of Jewish people from Egypt and delivering them to the promised land, he was intimidated. He was overwhelmed. He felt like the world was collapsing on him. And God said this to him in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 13, be strong and of good courage, dread not nor be dismayed. Don't lose your courage. Don't lose your grip on me. Hang on tighter. I'll get you through this. Sometimes what has all the earmarks of failure can be used by God to get our attention and permit victory to be snatched from the jaws of defeat. Life has proven there will be days of uncertainty and disappointment, but for the believer, remembering that God's in control over our various our very steps can help us get through those days. You say, is there something like, is there like a quick thing I could do to be reminded that I can trust God and that he's watching over me? Yeah, open up your pocketbook and look at the dollar bill. And what do you see? In God we trust. So if you need something quick and you don't have your Bible with you or your memory's not working too good, there it is. Currencies fail, companies fail, Nations fail, people fail, but Jesus never fails. Can you say that with me? Jesus never fails. Never. Not like us. Sometimes we fail. When you have Christ in your heart, you have the greatest companion for life's challenges. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. Look at that. We're troubled on every side. Feels like living today. Troubled on every side. Can't turn around without some. Every day there seems to be something new coming down at us, no? Every day some bitter news is negative, pessimism. 
We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, even though these things come at us. Even though we hear this negative nonsense, we're not going to adopt negativity as our brand. We're not going to march to that drummer. We don't get distressed. We're perplexed. We're puzzled, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. God is with us. Our brothers and sisters hopefully will be with us. Sometimes as a pastor, if you want to be bold for, uh, be, be, before folks in your preaching, you wonder, if I, if I get arrested, will anybody stand with me? Will anybody pray with me? Will anybody go with me? Sometimes you can feel in the ministry, in your preaching, you're very much alone. But you're not. I'm not. Christ is with me, and so many of you are too. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not, de not destroyed. The day will come when you'll be knocked down, but as God told Moses, he will give you the courage to go on. The measure of your faith and your faithfulness is not measured by the trials and the troubles, the failures and successes that come into your life. That's not the measure. We're all going to get that. The real measure of your faith and faithfulness is how you handle these challenges. When this negative stuff comes down at you, how do you handle it? I say, displace the negative with the positive that comes from this book. This is a positive book. Replace the curses of this world with the promises of Christ found in his book. Hebrews 12.1 <clears throat> Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, be persevering, the race that is set before you. Paul writes, if we're going to be able to persevere, if we're going to make it through the challenging times, we must first get our spiritual house in order. It's very difficult. I mean, it's rough enough to have to run a race unencumbered. You see, these people don't wear a lot of heavy clothing. Where they go, they're not wearing overcoats. They're not wearing boots and galoshes and other things like they're as stripped down as they could be and still maintain their dignity because they want to run unencumbered. In your spiritual race to, to get home to be in heaven with the Lord and get to a place of maturity in Christ, you want to be as unencumbered by the sins of your past by virtue of the fact that you're confessed up. When you sin, the best thing to do is keep a short account with God. In other words, when you knew you just fell, you knew you just blew it, you knew you just sinned, right away, go to God and confess it. Keep a short account. Ask him to be good. Don't wait until nighttime till you get in bed. Because as a kid, I used to do that. I wouldn't confess my sins during the day. I'd wait until I got in bed at night. And then all of a sudden, I can only remember one. So what I would say to the Lord is, dear God, please forgive me for all my sin. That was it. That doesn't sound very confession like. So confess as you go and see what a difference it makes in your life and how light, lighter you feel at the end of that kind of a prayer. Unconfessed sin will sap you of your confidence in the Lord. Unconfessed sin will be a barrier to your prayer life and as such it will hold back the power and the potency of prayer to help you endure. It'll steal your strength and weaken your resolve to keep on fighting. It will make the threats posed by your current circumstance see so much bigger than they really are. That's when you get into that mindset that what you're worrying about is going to happen. And you forget 
that as a rule, it doesn't. It just seems worse because you've got a lot of other baggage on your back. The sins of the past that you have not confessed and not let go of. Hebrews 12.1 again, Paul says, we must lay aside every weight that holds us down. And the question then is, what weighs you down? What weighs you down emotionally? What weighs you down spiritually? Is it the guilt of the past or the burdens of today? Satan can use your guilt to defeat you, whereas the Holy Spirit can use that guilt to bring you to confession and repentance. That's where you want to be. When you sin, you want to be a place where you confess it to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to continue in this model. I don't want to continue in this paradigm. I don't want to continue doing the same thing over and over again. Don't let the past keep you from reaching your full potential in Christ. Confess a past sin, repent, ask God to be your strength to resolve you to go there and, never, and then move on. The Bible says, let him that stole steal no more. That's what it means. It means stop doing what you were doing. Broaden it, not just stealing. Lying. Profanity. You go down all, a whole list of things that come into our lives that are sin, and you know what that is. If the Holy Spirit that has convicted you that something is sin or wrong, stop it with his help. Again, what weighs you down? Is it self-doubt, past defeats, negative attitudes, fears of the future, worry, disappointment? Are these the giants standing in the path of your walk with the Lord? Giants, like Goliath was to young David, the shepherd boy. We had a chance to see that after a while, the story of David. And they had actual 20-foot models of giants, animatronics. Picture the things that are blockades to your spiritual walk. Picture the things that are in your life that are being used by Satan to diminish you in your walk, to make you feel like you're the worst Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. And ask yourself, why is Satan doing that to you? Is it because you're the worst Christian that ever walked the face of the earth? I doubt it. But if there's unconfessed sin on your heart, confess it and move on. Repent, confess, repent, move on. Don't get trapped in your sin, in that sin once confessed. Giants are beatable. The bigger they are, the harder they fall with God's help. As we run our race, obstacles and tripping hazards will come your way. The very foundations of your earthly security may be shaken. If you're in God's plan, if you're in God's will, you cannot fail. If God has told you to do something and God has validated that it's him that's speaking, if you've got a mission from God, God will not allow you to fail. He'll allow you to experience negative things. He'll allow you to feel and experience the things that will come against you to demoralize you. But if he's called you to do something, keep on keeping on. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law, that's God's word, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Don't forget the power of God's word. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou shalt make the way thy way, and thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Don't give up. If God's commissioned you to do something and God's going to empower you to do something, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You have everything you need from God's word to the Holy Spirit to brother and sister believers to keep on keeping on. 
The worst thing a Christian can do when they're feeling down and out is to quit. Walk away from the church. Walk away from those who will challenge you and encourage you and help you along your way and pray for you. And yet, that's exactly what so many Christians will do when they come under hard times. God himself points us to the book he inspired and preserved as the greatest source of encouragement in desperate times. The Bible is not a book of science, but when it speaks of matters of science, it's accurate and correct. The Bible is not an economic text, but when it speaks to money matters, you can take its truths to the bank. The Bible is not a psychology handbook, but when it speaks to matters of the human heart and mind, its principles are therapeutic. The Bible is a spiritual book whose primary objectives are to reveal the true and living God, to put us in right relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, and in so doing, transform your life. Your connection to Jesus Christ, your heart's desire to follow him, your willingness to confess your sin to him and ask him to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, your willingness to leave the past and your past sins and your old lifestyle behind and embark on a new relationship a new birth, a new way to live, a new connection to God, that is transforming. God's word read, studied, memorized, and believed will help change your life. In the book of illustrations by Robert J. Morgan on page 54, he titles this, Revive Us Again. Listen to this true account. One day, years ago, a teenager left home to attend college. His, mo his mother worried about him. I think that's pretty sound. I think most mothers should be worrying about their kids if you send them off to a secular college at this point. She was worried about him. She gave him a Bible and, a print and printed a verse of scripture on the flyleaf. The young man soon discovered, discovered college life to be an endless series of parties in which he spent all the money he could acquire on fleeting pleasures. On one occasion, he needed money for whiskey. So, what did he do? He pawned his Bible for it. Nevertheless, he eventually made it through college and became a doctor in a large hospital. One day, Dr. McKay treated a dying patient who knew that he was dying and asked for his quote-unquote book. After the man passed away, Dr. McKay noticed the man's book among his effects. He couldn't believe his eyes. It was the very Bible his mother had given him years before, with his name and the verse of scripture still on the flyleaf. He returned to his office and began poring over that book. Several hours later, he knelt and asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior and Lord. Dr. W.P. Mackay later became a minister, and he wrote the old gospel hymn, Revive Us Again, which we will sing as our closing hymn. In good times and in bad, the believer's guide and guard is the Bible. In times like these, as we face a potentially dark days ahead, it's time for America, it's time for you, it's time for me, it's time for us corporately to get back to the Bible, amen? It's time for us to get back to the Bible. Living by the principles of the world, living by the world's commandments is not working. And our culture and our society bears the evidence. 
So this morning, I want to share five promises God would like you to remember and to claim. Now, it's in your bulletin, and you can fill it in like you sometimes do. Number one of the five principles and promises, God wants you to know that you are not alone. Loneliness still is one of the greatest issues in people's lives here in our country. So many people this morning, maybe people listening and watching us this morning, are feeling alone. Deuteronomy 31.8, And the Lord, he it is that doeth good, that, that doeth go before thee. He, he it is that goeth before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Your sense of being alone, your sense of being trapped, your sense of being in a situation that doesn't change. How many people are in a situation like that this morning? Feel trapped. A time in which they know they can't change the circumstance. And so they have all of these sad and desperate and ugly feelings inside of them. But this is an opportunity for Jesus to make himself known in your life. This is when Jesus can come along. If you throw yourself at the foot of the cross, if you ask Jesus to make him, himself known to you, somehow or another you will get, you'll get a sense that he is in your presence. The Holy Spirit will speak to you somehow or another. God will send you a message. It's happened so many times in my life when I felt down about something, felt a little low about something, needed a little encouragement. It's amazing how your telephone call or a card, card came to me in the mail over the last couple of days, which was so encouraging, it lifted my heart. Guess what? I needed the words in that card. And God gave me a little hint that, yeah, I'm watching over you. I got you. I got your back. Secondly, God wants to comfort your troubled mind and give you hope. Psalm 43, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. People's face. Somebody said, you, we get the face we deserve. As we get older, have you heard that before? Let me see your hand. I've heard that, that you get the face you deserve. Yeah. So many people are just so unhappy. And look, the Yiddish word is fabissima. How many are fabissima? You, you have a long face, the makamovis, like you look like the angel of death. Some people just look so unhappy and so miserable in their life. Their face is really reflected, something that's going on inside of them in many cases. And God said he wants to bring health to that sad face. He wants to bring happiness and encouragement to you. He'll do it. Number three, God wants you to know you can make it through today. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and give grace to help in time of mercy. When I was chaplain at Hagedorn Psychiatric Hospital for those 10 years, when, I, when it was time for me to really take over, over groups, uh, small groups, large groups, I prayed to the Lord, what should this ministry look like? And one of the things I realized, because you know I'm a hugger, that I was going to ask each and every patient that I came in contact with if I could give them a hug. And the other thing that came into my heart is I wanted to leave them just one thought for their day, just one thing they could hang on to. Just something that will help them to get through. And by and large, that one thought was this. You've got whatever it is you need from God 
to get through today. You can make it through today. Just hang on. And I say that to you this morning. You have whatever it is that you need to get through today. That's a promise from God. Number four, God wants you to know he will give you his peace through the stormy days which may lie ahead. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful, care-filled. Care is a burden on your heart. Careful for nothing. Don't worry. Be concerned. Sure, people have to be concerned about things. But you don't have to be so preoccupied with you, with this thing, that it keeps you up every night and that you're desperately, desperately upset by it. But in everything by prayer and supplication, talk to God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts through Jesus Christ. If I read that correctly, and you read right along with me, it says, take your anxieties and turn them back to the Lord and pray about it and ask the Lord to help you, and he will. It may not be like, oh, I prayed and it didn't help me. Oh, I prayed, I prayed this yesterday. Maybe he wants you to continue in prayer until you're at a better place that he has brought you to. Dale Evans, who lost one of her sons and was desperately crushed by it. This is what she said when she was asked about that. And she said, God has not promised on an easy way, but peace at the center of the hard way. Again, just lost a son. She's grieving, but here's what she says. God has not promised an easy way, but peace at the center of the hard way. Can you have peace in the middle of your desperation? Absolutely. It's the river flowing through you. It's a deeper place. It goes from your mind to your heart, and it permeates who you are. 1 Peter 5, 7. God wants you to know you're in his care. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When I was in the hospital being prepared to undergo surgery, and I had a sense that I didn't need to do it, but God came along and said, cast your care upon me, for I care for you. Now, nothing was, nothing was comforting me. I couldn't find comfort. I was in a lot of pain. I felt I didn't want to go through the surgery. I just felt that, <laughs> where's God when I need him? And I opened my Bible, and this literally happened to me. This verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, it seemed to me it came right off the page just like this and entered me. As soon as I felt the presence of that promise, and then another doctor came in and looked me over and started looking at the areas that, that I had severe pain and so forth, and he said, I'm going to be your surgeon and nobody's going to touch you. You don't need surgery. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. On those nights when you can't sleep, twisting and turning in your bed, fearing the worst, stop twisting, take a deep breath. Remember those burdens are not yours alone to carry. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Twisting and turning, fearful, angry. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I am not a God away out there that can't hear your cry and doesn't care. 
and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke is what's put across the shoulders of oxen, and one alone carries that yoke. It's very heavy. But when they have a, a yoke that goes across two of them, the burden is lighter. And you know what God wants to do in your life? He wants to make the burden in half. If, he, if you allow him to take your burden on himself as well as on you, carry your share, but God will pick up the difference, and it will be lighter. It will be something you can bear. And this is where this promise comes in, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Why? Because he's handling the part you can't. Jesus wants to do the heavy lifting for you and with you if when the bottom drops out and wants to crush you under its weight. When the tides of life seem to mount up against you, God is standing in the rising water to hold you up and don't, and you don't even realize it. Holding each other up. In Guidepost magazine, Donald Varin of Oceanside, California, told of serving as a young hospital corpsman in the invasion of Guam during World War II. Suddenly his boat came to a grinding halt. They hit a coral reef and the commanding officer ordered everyone off the ship. Donald jumped into the ocean and sank like a rock. His carbine rifle, medical pack, canteen, and boots dragged him down. He forced himself to the surface, gasping for air, only to sink again. He tried to pull off his boots, but the effort exhausted him, and suddenly he realized he wasn't going to make it. Just then he saw a man thrashing in the water next to him, and in desperation he clutched onto him. That proved enough to hold him up and get him to the roof, to, to the reef, where he just picked up, he was picked up by a rescue boat. McDonald felt so guilty about grabbing the drowning man to save himself that he never told anybody what happened. About six months later, on shore leave in San Francisco, he stopped in a restaurant. A sailor in uniform waved him over to sit with him. And as he did, he did so, he announced to his friends, this is my buddy, he saved my life. What are you talking about, asked Donald. Don't you remember, said the man, we were in the water together in Guam, you grabbed onto me, I was going down, and you held me up. He didn't even realize that. He had saved this man's life without ever realizing it. And sometimes God's in the water with you and you hardly realize it. And you don't realize it. And you're wondering how you're getting through this. And the answer is, he's there holding you up. And we don't recognize him. But if you did recognize him, what a difference it would make in your head, in your heart, and in your life that you really aren't going to drown. And he's holding you up. Remember the verse I quoted at the beginning of the lesson? Hebrews 12.1, let's run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. In the race of life, there will be obstacles in your path. There will be moments of failure and disappointment. There will be times when you grow weary and doubt you will ever make it to the finish line of faith. In those moments, remember and claim God's five promises. Never to leave you alone, to comfort you and give you hope, to get you through today, to give you peace through the storm, to love and care for you, and above all, remember this. Jesus never fails. He will keep his promises to you, to you, to you, and to me. Do you believe that?
Would you say with me this morning, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Let's pray. I had the sense as I put the sermon together that there were those who needed it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that there is folks here this morning who are hurting, who are maybe grieving, who are discouraged, who are frustrated trying to live out their faith as believers, who are kind of living in the negative, who are so concerned about what's happening in the world and politics and so forth, that there's fear. So I just want to pray with you this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you feel that this sermon spoke to you in one of those areas that you need prayer to help you overcome, would you please raise your hand this morning? I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you this morning. Yes, I see these hands this morning. Yeah. The Holy Spirit never misleads. There are so many people whose hands went up this morning. God wants to help you this morning. And Father God, I just pray for those whose hands have been lifted. I pray this morning that you will just help them. I pray that you will encourage them. I know that times can get desperate and we can get, and people get desperate in desperate times. But give these folks a sense of your peace. Take away confusion. Take away anger. Take away maliciousness, mean-spiritedness, whatever it is that's going on in their heart. I know, Father, that we need the opportunity to be with you and to feel your presence. And so do that this morning. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. Now, I'm going to ask, can the camera be turned off for a moment and then turned back on? Yeah. Okay, here's what I'm going to ask. Those of you who raised your hands, I'm going to ask you to come up forward. I want to pray for you. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's on camera. But please come forward. I want to pray for you. You asked for prayer. I want to pray for you. Take the step of faith that helps you get to that place. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Reach out to the person next to you. Oh, Father God, I, I felt the moving of your Holy Spirit this morning in the lives of people. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Father, we need to act on our, our heart's desire. This morning, I pray you'll give these folks whatever it is they need to get through today and then to get through tomorrow when tomorrow comes. I pray, Lord, that you will take any negative feelings that they have, any sorrow, any anger, any confusion, anything that would obstruct their relationship with you that would be injurious to them and to our congregation. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will free them, help them, Lord, in any way to do the things that you've laid on their heart this morning. And I pray, Lord, that they will not just have heard a sermon, but they would have heard something that will change their days. Bless them, encourage them, watch over them. Let your Holy Spirit be felt by them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. God be with you.